0: Lord, Father, I thank you for the ability to stand in front of
1: this group this morning to present your word. I pray that my words would be decreased, but that yours would be increased and magnified, that you would speak to those that are here this morning. Pray that you'll give me boldness. Pray that you will give me confidence to speak with, with, with your authority. And I pray that we will leave here
0: changed. Let our faith be increased by hearing your word. Let's just just hear you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're
1: nearing what is often called the the holiday season.
0: And we have spent
1: time with friends and family. um, Some more than others. And sometimes it's a... Uh, sorrow to leave the family. Sometimes it's a uh, I've got to get home. Sorry, guys. Um, y'all are stressing me out, and I understand all of those things. Um, Any time that I'm I'm, I'm preparing to, to to preach, there's always this last few moments where I feel like there's an attack happening. Where I'm trying to Satan's trying to distract me. He's trying to make me lose confidence. And my prayer has always been. Uh, God, give me something to, to know that, that I am supposed to be doing this today. And it's usually through some form of encouragement that takes place. And um, oftentimes that, that comes with humor. Um, God's a lot of times speaks to me through something that that is funny, um, and it gives me a great deal of encouragement when that happens. Um, this morning, uh, David sent me a text message right at 9 o'clock. Hey, I'm praying for you. Uh walk in the door. Bio gives me a hug. I'm praying for you. Stephen says I'm praying for you. Right before I come up, Stephen comes over and says, "Hey, what can I specifically be praying for?" And I just told him boldness. But there's also some things that are a little bit comical. Um what I'm preaching about this morning, a lot of it's about sitting quietly. And so the first song we sang was I won't be quiet. That was not coordinated. Um, this uh, I guess it was yesterday uh, when I got up in the morning, I decided I was just gonna give myself a haircut. And this was on purpose. Um, first thing that Ellie said was, is you need to send a picture to mom, she's gonna be scared when you get home. And so the, the people that are closest to me know how to talk with me when I go home to visit on the holidays. Um, I am usually the target of most jokes. Um, one of my dearest friends this morning came up to me and said, "Hey, are you preaching this morning?" I'm not going to I'm not going to say your name, but I'm going to point at her
0: and said, "You're a lot more bald than I remember you being." Hi, Katie. <laughs> and so
1: it's 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 very encouraging to hear um not only people just just giving praise to what this church is, um but also it was encouraging just and I know you may have been uncomfortable, Cameron, just for there to be silence. Because I know our thoughts weren't going way off stream. We were, we were focused on God at that time. And I think it's important. And I think it fits in right with what what we're going to talk about this morning. So there's a lot of things people associate with a new year. And this is not going to be a sermon about what we do for for the new year coming up. For those that aren't aware, this is the last day of 2023. Despite me putting everything in my calendar for this January in 2023's calendar and Rachel pointing it out to me and I have to change everything to 2024. Um, If you have any appointment or meeting with me in January, you may want to send me a text and remind me what day of the week it is because I've got some things mixed up. And there's probably some plans people have for New Year's Eve. Some of you all may um, stay up and watch uh, the ball drop in Times Square Uh, Some of you may be just sitting around reminiscing. Um, You may be setting resolutions. You may be watching college football bowl games. Um, You may watch the thousands of predictions people are making about what's going to happen in the new year. uh, What's going to happen with the financial market? What's going to happen geopolitically? um, What brick and mortar store is going to close down? Um, There's all these, um, what's going to happen with the weather? Is it going to snow finally here? All these different things that people are trying to predict what's going to happen. <laughs> but when New Year's comes around, there's, everyone has these different things that, that they are sort of tied to. And I'm a, I'm a pretty avid sports fan. Um, this is the mark of the uh, midway point in European soccer. And everyone's eyes just glazed over. That is that is the the sport that I enjoy the most. It's what I play, it's what I coach, it's what I ref, it's what I watch. Not that anyone cares, but before we came in, Spurs were beating Bournemouth. That's an important thing for me. There's lots of things that happen that are changing within European soccer. Tomorrow the transfer window opens. It's almost like the trade deadline in other sports here in America. And so there'll be new players coming in and old players and they're people just being bought and sold, moved all over. And I could sit up here and talk about that for hours. I'm not going to, but it also is sort of an important point in what is an important sport to me, which is basketball. Now, most people in here have not heard me talk about basketball, but I can talk about it more than soccer. I'm not tall enough to play basketball. I've never been tall enough. I was fast enough, but all I could do was hang on people at about waist height, people that were really good. But I grew up wanting to be a basketball player. I I watched basketball all the time. Um, When I was growing up, playoff basketball wasn't played at night. It was played right after school. You know, the Knicks would be playing and it would be. 330. 30. That's when tip off was. They don't do that now because there's not enough money in it to show it at that time of day. Um, but one of my favorite things to see happening was late in the game, a coach would call a timeout and the crowd would be going nuts. Both teams would go over to their huddles. They'd be playing music in the background and it wasn't enough time to pull away to go to a commercial. And so they would show what was happening and you would have people coming out doing flips and all these things and the coaches are very focused in on, on on their teams and huddling up and it would be you know a very short 60 seconds of them um letting their players get some water, toweling off whatever sweat was pouring off of them. assistant coaches going over to the to the scoring table to make sure they know how many fouls everyone has, how many timeouts do they have left. Coach getting out a board or a piece of paper, drawing up a play, everyone's looking at it, the buzzer would would buzz, the players would return to the court. And then it was just it was just immediate action. And when it was one of those games where it was down to just the last couple seconds, and it was very critical that everybody did their job and everybody knew what was going on. And there was just something just just something that was just goosebumps cool about watching that of we're going to stop everything and we're all going to talk about what we're about to do. And then we're going to go out and we're going to, we're going to execute something. And, and over generations of time, um, basketball coaches have changed how they handle timeouts. And there's different philosophies. Um, there, there's a famous basketball coach. Um, and if you're not familiar with college basketball or professional basketball, you're going to hear names and not know who they are. And that's Okay. Um, but one of the more uh, famous college basketball coaches was John Wooden, who coached at UCLA. And, um, one of his more famous players, uh, Bill Walsh, um, was recently, um, telling stories about coach Wooden and was talking about that, um,
0: coach Wooden thought that taking a timeout was a sign of weakness and was an admission of defeat that, that We're here to play basketball. We're not here to take timeouts. Right across
1: the way at the University of Cal or Cal University, uh, there was another coach uh, whose name was Pete Newell, and Pete had a very similar philosophy. If you ever could see a game against UCLA and Cal, the game went by a lot quicker than any other basketball games because they both had this philosophy that they were not going to be the first coach to take a timeout. So if you can imagine that sort of chess match of I'm never calling a timeout, I know you're not going to call a timeout. And whichever one of us calls a timeout first is showing weakness. And so it was two men that weren't really even playing, that were battling each other, of who cannot, who could can be manlier here, who cannot let their players take a break, which players don't need to actually be coached. It's kind of silly thinking about it. And then you have in more recent times. Um, Milwaukee Bucks had a coach recently, Mike Budenholzer, and his instruction to his staff was, we will not waste any timeouts. We will take all of them. And so, um, there's, there's a, there's a rule in the NBA about at the three minute mark, there's only so many timeouts you can take. It's because of television, but there's only so many commercials people can stand in the last few minutes of a basketball game. And so he would, he would have a, a particular coach that's job was before the clock hit three Oh one we better call a timeout. And historically that team. And when he's coaching, he calls more timeouts between four minutes and three minutes left and a half than anyone else. Almost to the point where it's, we don't even need to do it. We're just going to do it because we have it. We're just going to take time out. On the opposite end of John Wooden and Pete Newell, you have Greg Popovich. It's one of the greatest coaches in, in, in NBA history as well. and, and, um, Coach Pop, as he is his nickname is, uh, was known for calling a timeout whenever he felt like it was needed. Um he I think he holds the record for like the 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 quickest like four or five timeouts in NBA history. I was showing Sully a clip this morning, um and tip-off, the announcers are talking about the tip-off. The Washington Wizards get the ball, they dribble down, they lay it up. And Coach Pop, who's who's coaching the San Antonio Spurs, just calls a timeout. It's 14 seconds into the game. It's like, this isn't working. And so you look at other coaches that during a timeout, what did they do? Michigan State has a coach, Tom Edzo, who is known for absolutely wearing his players out, yelling at them, screaming at them. You've got Phil Jackson, who coached the, the Chicago Bulls and the LA Lakers, who is known for not saying anything during a timeout. He felt like these are professional players. They should be able to figure it out themselves. Just going to let them sit. Now, I know at this point, several of you are wondering, how much more of the history of timeouts and basketball can Ian talk about? Just a little bit more. So we've we've, we've talked about some examples of of, of basketball coaches calling timeouts and, and when they don't, when they refuse to take a timeout. But I, I want to take a moment here for everyone to think about what is, what is your philosophy, not in basketball, but in life, on taking a timeout? Do you view taking a timeout as a sign of weakness? Are you rigid in taking timeouts where it's scheduled and nothing else can happen? You're taking the timeout on Friday afternoon and there's nothing that can stop it. What is your purpose when you take a timeout? What are you What are you trying to accomplish? Is it just to rest or recharge or refocus? If you do take a time out, how do, how do you treat yourself? Are you beating yourself up? How do you treat others? Are you taking your time out alone? Are you taking it with a group of people? What's, what's taking place when you do take a time out? So this morning, we're going to look at, at Scripture and figure out what what we should be, when we should be taking a timeout, and what a timeout should look like. Now, there's a verse that we're going to pop up here on the screen here in just a second, and that is the slide for today. So everyone should leave here knowing this particular verse. It's short, and it'll pop up here in a minute. I'm going to start by, by reading in Luke chapter 5, a few verses before the one that's going to pop up here. But it said, while he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. In verse 16, here is the one we, we need to have in mind.
0: Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. If you've been around a crowd of people for a long period of time, I don't care if you're extroverted or introverted, whatever
1: philosophy or, or whatever uh, personality you have um,
0: at some point in time you're going to become exhausted people wear us down people have problems sometimes people just want to complain sometimes people need help sometimes they're just a draw on our energy that's okay Jesus had a crowd that was was following him. Jesus was doing a lot of hard work.
1: But it says here, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed.
0: He often took a time out. So there wasn't just this crowd following Jesus, but they they
1: wanted to interact with him. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to to, to be face-to-face with him because they knew there was something special about it. They knew he could provide
0: healing. They knew that he he was there was something about him. But Jesus didn't deny those crowds of people. He didn't say, look, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, this is my rest time. So I can't help you. Now, he would help people, but he would often say, I need to withdraw. I need to take a break and pray. In this particular place, it it, it very purposefully mentions that he prayed. So Jesus has these crowds of people that are coming to him for healing. And In this particular case, this is happening
1: right after Jesus has those first disciples that are coming to follow him.
0: He's called these fishermen to come in and just follow me. And so Jesus is making a very important point to them. There's going to be a lot of work coming up. It's going to be busy. You will see these crowds, but we're going to take time to rest. We're going to take time outs. And he gives them
1: the example of during these busy times, it is going to be important that we seek out time to be alone. And I'm going to use alone A lot this
0: morning, and then I'm going to explain what alone means later. But seek out time to be alone and to pray.
1: And we see a similar behavior with Jesus as he continues his mission with the apostles. Luke chapter 6 says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples, and he chose twelve of them who he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot,
0: Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus knew that it wasn't just picking 12 men.
1: It's not like when I've, when I'm out coaching soccer and I'm trying to decide how to split them up in practice and it's U four and U four, those are our teams for practice, let's go. Or, okay, all the tall kids on this side, all the short kids on this side, we're going to see how this works. And then for those kids that have been here and, and have
0: seen me coach soccer, I've just divvy it up however I can do it quickly not a lot of thought into it. Jesus knew this was important to pick out who these apostles were going to be. He had an important decision in front of him. Remember, he was picking 12 disciples, one of which would be a traitor that would lead to him being
1: arrested and him being put on the cross and him dying so that he could
0: resurrect. If it was simply just finding 12 people to follow him, he wouldn't have stayed up all night. He wouldn't have went off to be alone. This was him taking time to pray over a very important decision that would lead to him giving us salvation. So when Jesus had an important decision to make, he retreated to the mountains to be alone and pray. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to see a, 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 a very heartbreaking story here. And I'm going to get through it.
1: But I want us to think about how important John was to Jesus and how much he must have been grieving over this news that came to him. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling them, it's not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. When Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before them and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she answered, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Although the king regretted it, he commanded that it be granted because of his oaths and his guests. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a
0: remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns.
1: Now here, there is no mention of Jesus going off to pray.
0: And I do think that's on purpose. Jesus is grieving. Jesus just had someone that is part of his tight-knit family murdered. He needed a time out. He needed time away. He needed time alone. Now, did Jesus pray during that time? I would say most assuredly he probably did. Was it a prayer of lament? I would say for some period of time it probably was. But it doesn't say that
1: Jesus... Stayed there, gathered people around to weep, said he went off to be alone. Now, similar account here in, in Mark chapter six. We're going to start towards the end of that. I'm not going to read about all the, the gruesome part again. But it says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Remember, the, the, the disciples had been out in ministry, sharing about Jesus, telling them about who he was, going out healing people with the authority of Jesus. And they came back to tell Jesus what had been going on. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. All right, gut check time here. How many of us have gotten so busy
0: that we didn't have time to eat? A
1: lot of hands up. All right, how many times have we done that to our own detriment? We get grumpy, we get hangry. We're not ourselves. We need a Snickers bar. My right-hand person at work her name's Cameron. Cameron has a very subtle way of letting me know, hey, Ian, you have not eaten. You are getting grumpy. And I promise you, she leaves a little miniature Snickers bar on my desk without saying a word. I go to a meeting. I come back. It's there. I know, okay, I need I need to check, check myself here. I'm being short or I'm being cranky. And it's just her very loving way of saying, hey, stop it. Take a time out. But Jesus was grieved during a time that he knew he was going to be busy. There's times when we're busy, we have so much to do, and something happens that, honestly, we need to just take a time out and take care of it. But sometimes we we have these tendencies where it's, well, I've got to get all these tasks done. I've got to get the house clean. I've got to get this report done for work. It's going to be a busy day at work we, or a busy week at work or a busy month at work or a busy quarter at work or a busy year at work.
0: The kids have 7,000 places they need to be. i have not eaten in two days because I'm so busy.
1: And it's at those times when we're, we're sort of weak and we're, we're, we're just trying to push through that something tragic happens. We have a family member that gets sick. We get
0: sick. We have someone that we know that, that passes away. And and we we know that we should probably take
1: time out to process and to grieve. Sometimes we choose to just plow through it. Jesus has given us a great example here.
0: There are crowds of people waiting for him, there's a queue. And they're still coming. And he tells the disciples, You all have been doing a lot of work. You need to go off, be alone, rest. He says,
1: I'm going off on my boat. People can't get to me. I need to be away from people.
0: I'm grieving. In Luke chapter 22, it says, He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him.
1: This is something that he's done a few times, if we're going to say he's going to his usual spot. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. It doesn't say which of the disciples' stone's throw it is. It doesn't say if it was Jesus' stone's throw. But
0: it's enough for us to know that they knew where he was at, but he was away from no. them. It says he knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven
1: appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. (coughs) Excuse me. This is right before
0: Jesus is to be arrested, before his crucifixion. Jesus knows what's coming. When you know that there are things just stacking up and you know that it's going to be stressful. It's a time of just absolute just distress. Jesus, again, went away to be alone and to pray. In this particular one, we see a very, very fast result happening because Jesus is is
1: pouring out if if there's any way to do this without doing this let's let's take that
0: path father help me out here but if this is your will let's go and then it says an angel from heaven appeared strengthening him he
1: was anguishing there were drops of of sweat if 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 you've ever been running or hiking or or doing something that was just so strenuous that the sweat is literally pouring off of you. You know that even then it's not the same as if you've cut yourself and there's blood dripping. There's a difference in those two things. I can handle sweat all day long The, the, the sight of blood I know exactly what it looks like when the, when someone is bleeding. It is different. It's a different type of flow. It's a different type of drop. And this is saying that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He was in anguish. And he prayed for God's will. And it said the angel came to strengthen him. Jesus knelt down and prayed apart from the others. But before doing so himself... He instructed the disciples to pray that they may not fall into temptation. Sometimes we just need to take a time out for God just to examine us, to look over us, to point out where our transgressions are, to point out what those temptations are so that we can see them ahead and call on God to strengthen us to resist those temptations, to resist the sin. Jesus took a lot of timeouts in his ministry. (laughs) We see that. Not saying John Wooden was a bad person for trying to avoid timeouts. Jesus wasn't coaching a basketball team. But as far as life goes, Jesus took timeouts. He took timeouts to recharge, to re-energize himself, to think through important decisions. To grieve, to work through extremely stressful situations. But he also gave instruction to those around him of what they needed to be doing while he was taking a time out. And then he left from them. Now there's times at my house, I have three kids, they are ten, seven, and five. They're capable of taking care of themselves for 20 minutes. I know this. But if I need time to go to the restroom, take a shower, put clothes on, that's when everything in the world needs to be taken care of by them. Heather left to go to the hospital yesterday morning to work. I got up, got the kids their breakfast. I said, hey, guys, daddy needs about 20
0: minutes. I need to go take my medicine. I need to get cleaned up. I'll be right out. I had two visits while I was in the shower. One asking if they could have some Tic
1: Tacs. The second visit was, hey, she had more Tic
0: Tacs than I had. Can I have enough Tic Tacs to make up for it? And then... I decided I maybe want to
1: check on them before I get fully clothed here. So I went in to check on them, and there's a fight going on, so I broke up the fight. And so you can imagine how difficult it may be to say, hey, guys, I want to give you some instructions here. I'm going to go off to be on my loan because I want to take some time to pray. And I know you all have the same things. It's hard. You, you want to take time to,
0: to just sit. Sometimes you just want a little bit of quiet time. Heather has found a, a time where, where where she can be quiet. It's after the kids are asleep. She's gotten smart about this.
1: I've not quite figured that out yet. I know if, if Heather and I are sitting on the couch, the kids are asleep, we'll watch something goofy on TV for a few minutes, and then she'll say, I'm going to bed. That does not mean she's going to bed. It means she is going to go to the bed, not to sleep, but to just sit quietly to sit quietly and read, So sit quietly and pray. And at that point, there's only two things that can distract her. Me watching something on TV that has a doorbell, where my dogs think that they need to go nuts, or me stepping into the room to ask a question, not about how many Tic
0: Tacs can I have, but something that is not important. Those are the two big distractions she has, both of them caused by me. If you make him figure out how to have Netflix give a warning that says, "Hey, this show contains doorbell ringing," let me know how to turn that setting on. So during most of those timeouts that Jesus took, it was it was spent in prayer. But I do think there were times where he just sat, just quiet. If you think about the time frame of, of, of these timeouts, Jesus, there were a couple there where it was, Jesus took
1: a, a whole night to pray. There were times where it was just probably a few moments because there were crowds of people hunting him down. Right before Jesus began his public ministry, before all these other events took place,
0: Jesus took a, what I would call a very early timeout, 14 seconds in. Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit,
1: and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not
0: test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time.
1: And that's the end of that chapter, but the next chapter starts like this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone.
0: For that time out of 40 days, seems excessive. I know some of you are thinking, I would give anything for 40 days of, of quiet. Jesus went off to be alone and there were distractions. The worst kind of distractions. Satan coming to tempt him.
1: See if he could get him to to, to stray away.
0: Jesus was in a very weakened state. He hadn't been eating. So When Jesus entered into
1: that time out, it wasn't by his choosing. It wasn't him saying, you know what, I'm going to take 40 days here and just see if I can take on Satan here. He said he entered into that time with the Spirit. If we enter our time out with the Holy Spirit, we are led by the Holy Spirit into our time out. And I fully believe what happens here at the start of chapter 14 is what happens. We exit that time out with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit,
0: meaning he has now been empowered. He has been strengthened, even in a time of great weakness. I think it's also
1: important that we point out that when those temptations came, those distractions came, Jesus met them
0: with Scripture. It is written. It is written. It is said. I'm not saying not to, not to take your Bible in with you if you're going to do some sort of a timeout or quiet time. I think that's very important. I think there's times where it's appropriate to do it with your phone. I think it's sometimes it's more appropriate to do it with a paper Bible that won't give you an alert of how the spurs are doing against Bournemouth. I think it's also important to go with nothing. You have scripture on your heart. You have scripture in your mind. Just throw it out there.
1: Every night when our kids pray, there's a little bit of a routine that happens. And with Ellie, there's, there's this
0: point now where it's, she's five. I have her permission to tell this. But it's, I'm scared of the dark. She's not scared of the dark. I can guarantee you she's not scared of the dark. She thinks it's funny to jump out from the dark to scare Daddy. What she's wanting to do is to stay up longer. But she'll
1: say, Daddy, is my verse when I'm afraid I will trust in you? Yes, sweetie, that's the verse. Do I have to say the numbers after it? Does Jesus know that's the verse if I don't say the numbers after it? So you don't have to know the numbers after it. So I don't have to say like John 44, 12 or anything like that. No, sweetie, you don't have to say that.
0: You know what what the verse is. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. The, The other thing to point out here is Jesus was never alone during these timeouts. He was with
1: God. He was praying to God. He was with the Holy Spirit. He was away from people. I love all you all in here. Even those of you, I don't know your names yet. Even those that I bump the
0: bathroom door into you. <laughs> and the person who that is knows who it is. <laughs> and I apologize for that. <laughs> he entered in solitude not isolation. That's important distinction. Solitude is in the quiet with God, not by Webster's Dictionary. By Scripture, that's what solitude is. Isolation is different. In Proverbs, it says, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. We have to be careful in how we approach taking a time out. There's times we just want to be away from people, and that's okay. But if we're going to enter into a
1: a, a real time of solitude, We need to approach it as if we are spending time with God and God alone. And sometimes we need to just sit and listen. Sometimes we need to speak out Scripture, the words of
0: God. Sometimes we need to just be on our knees praying. We need to call out the distractions for what they are. We need to give instruction to those around us of I'm entering a time where I don't need to know about how many tic-tacs your sister ate. So as we enter 2024,
1: we need to make sure that we're taking, out, taking timeouts. God gives us time for that. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit to
0: step away to a quiet place. If you don't have a quiet place, you don't know where that would be, start thinking about it. Where is that place where you can just sit in quiet? I don't have one at our house.
1: There is nowhere in our house where I can sit in quiet. When I need quiet, I will leave the house, my way to work or leave work and go over to the soccer complex when I know no one is there. There are four full soccer fields and I can stand right in the middle of it. I don't care if it's raining or whatever. This is the most remote place in Chattanooga, I think. I can just stand there and just hear birds chirping or the rain hitting me.
0: And I can sit there and just just dwell with God. That's where my place is. If you ever can't get a hold of me, that's most likely where I'm at. I'm telling you now, the instruction
1: is don't come and find me and come give me a whole bunch of stuff. I don't have my phone with me. I'm there
0: to spend time with God. If you were led to pray during that time, pray. Pray. If you're uncomfortable sitting in silence, or you're
1: easily distracted, read a passage of Scripture out loud. Pray out loud. If you need some examples of Scripture to read, there is no shortage of Scriptures about sitting silently. Psalm 62, five says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is, is from him. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 37.7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent before the Lord God. Psalm 27.4, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. 1 Kings 19, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Job 6.24, teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I have gone astray. Zechariah 2.13, be silent
0: all flesh before the Lord. And here's another one. If you find yourself during that time
1: of being quiet, that you've entered in with the Holy Spirit, and you're doing it the way
0: that the Scripture prescribes, and you find yourself dozing off, doze off. Take the rest. If you've honestly entered that time with the Holy Spirit
1: and you're praying and you feel like you're nodding off, rest. Rest in the Lord.
0: I'm not saying take your quiet time to get away from the kids and take a nap. There's a difference. Sometimes God prescribes for us just to rest in him and he may lead you to nod off.
1: Again, that doesn't say stay up until one in the morning and then decide now's a good time for a quiet time. And then as you say, dear Lord,
0: go right off to sleep. But in the process of praying, in the process of reading out Scripture, in the pro- process of sitting silently with God,
1: it may just be him trying to give you some rest. You've given instruction to everyone else around.
0: There comes a point where they may worry about you and come check on you. That's okay. So I've demonstrated to you all that I like basketball. And you all that know me know that I like soccer. I'm also an engineer, so I would be
1: remiss to not have some sort of a quote from someone who is from the world of
0: engineering or physics or math. there's a French mathematician from the 1600s, Blaise
1: Pascal. And I used to have this written on all my notebooks from college. It says all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability
0: to sit quietly in a room alone. I think there's something to that. We have the inability just to sit quietly in a room alone. There's so many things to be distracted by. So many things to keep us busy. Look how peaceful it is right now. Let's pray. Lord Father, I thank you for our ability to just take a time out. Lord, it's tough sometimes when we get
1: distracted by the world around us. There's so many things to do, so many tasks in front of us. But, Lord, we, we see it with, with, with how you interacted with the world when you were here. Jesus, you, you saw the crowds waiting for you. You knew their, their, their desires. You knew that their needs. You knew that they wanted from you. You made it an important part to take time to just sit with you,
0: sit with God, sit with your Father and pray and to remind yourself of who God is,
1: to pour out when you were in, 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 in a time of grief, to pour out when
0: there were circumstances you just didn't want to deal with, to cry out for strength, to cry out for rest, for energy. for focus. Lord, let us take those
1: examples and apply them to our lives. Let us find that time. Let us hold each other accountable to taking a time out. Let us understand that there is hard work in front of us. We are to go out and make disciples of
0: all the nations. Baptize them in your name. Lord, what a monumental task that is if we sit and really think about what that means, to go make disciples of all the nations. Lord, I have a day job. I don't have time to go make disciples of all the nations. Lord, I have three kids. I don't have time to make disciples in all the nations. Lord, give us what we need to fulfill that commission. Let us take the time to rest, but when it's time to work, let us work hard. Thank you just for the ability to sit silently. It's in your name we pray. Amen. um with that let's if you'll stand continue
1: in worship with us as we consider
0: the goodness of our god to allow us to rest um, his holiness and our need